You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. That's all true, by the way. That is all true. Tom, thank you for sharing that amazing story. Powerful. And let me just say one thing about faithful friends. Um, You can have some yelling in your marriage and still, you know, have a kid. I mean, we get a little spicy sometimes. I mean, and if you can't catch, if you can sweep a leg, you can watch a kid, okay? Just a couple things. Don't be intimidated. It's a great ministry. It's a great ministry. Okay, uh, seriously, my name's Matt. Um, I'm one of our pastors here at Grace. I did student ministry for a lot of years, so we swept a lot of legs, so I know we know what that's all about. Excuse me. So today, uh, we're in the story of Nehemiah, and it's good to see you guys here in person. I'm not too keen with the online thing. I like seeing people, so it's good. I'm glad you're here. And, uh, and for those watching at some point, whenever this gets posted, um, I'm glad you guys are able to see it too. So we're, we're in our, I think, fourth week of Nehemiah, we're, uh, chapter five we're going to be looking at today. And, and if you haven't been with us, the story of Nehemiah is really a story of, of the Jews that have been in captivity returning to their own homelands. And Nehemiah is this godly man who, who God has raised up for such a time as this, as they say. And, and, and he hears about, he, he goes back and realizes that the place is just devastated, right? The walls are broken down. There's chaos. Um, and he's heartbroken about it, but he's motivated to do something about it. He's not just going to sit there in, in his own tears. And so he's, with, with the blessing of this superpower that he's been serving under as cupbearer, he goes back to the land to get some rebuilding going. And so it's here that we have God's people, and they're trying to live together. They're trying to take care of each other, but there's opposition from all sides. There's, there's chaos. There's, there's, there's enemies they're facing, and, and it's, not, it's not an easy, not a comfortable situation they're in. And so Jerusalem is right in the middle of this godless, um, the, the godless nations that, that really don't think they have a reason to exist. Some things don't change. They're in the the middle of an economic downturn. They're, excuse me, uh, the the culture is against God's people. Uh, We've seen, as in the last few weeks, there's a few guys that have made it their life's mission to shut down everything Nehemiah is trying to do. So his plans of restoration will never get off the ground. And so it seems that everyone and everything is against Nehemiah and God's people in this project. And what makes it so significant is in the midst of this, they've got to take care of themselves, right? Because if they don't take care of themselves, who will? I mean, the government's not going to come in and help them, right? No different than us. I mean, we're called to take care of ourselves. and, and, And the economy may not be going in the way that they want. Nothing new here. Culture's certainly not in their favor, Their enemies aren't usually interested in becoming allies. And so, again, if they don't take care of themselves, nobody else will. So chapter one, we saw, let's recap real quick. The walls of Jerusalem, they're still torn down 100 years after the Babylonians came in and sacked them. Chapter two, we saw the people of Israel. Many many of them have been taken into slavery, but the ones that remained are sitting there discouraged in the rubble of the wall. 
they're, they're, they're losing their ethnic identity. Basically, the Jews are headed for extinction if something doesn't happen. And then in chapter 3, here comes Nehemiah, right? Make Jerusalem great again, hat on. He comes rolling in there. He's going to build this wall. He wants to restore things in Jerusalem, get things back. So, and it's a noble mission because he thinks if he can do that, he can save his ethnic people. It's a powerful and great purpose. But when we come to chapter 5, he gets blindsided. It's worse than he thought it was. What gets uncovered during this rebuilding is far more than a broken wall. Because he, he realizes God's people aren't taking care of each other, and it's mostly financial. As God's people and believers, right, we are called to take care of, of one another. And our lives are intertwined both spiritually and relationally. We know this. In Nehemiah 5, we see that they're also uh, intertwined financially. Right? We do business together. Some of you guys own businesses. Some of you guys work for other Christians that have businesses. And the way that we relate to one another is really important. Not only to us, but, but ultimately to God. Because our very unity is at stake in these relationships. As, and as important as that is, even more importantly, is the reputation of the God that we are claiming to serve. Right? If, if we're behaving in ways that are compromising... God comes off looking bad, not just us. As we are to be his, his ambassadors that bring light into the darkness of this world. That's always been the mission of God's people. And as bad as external problems can get, it's usually the internal ones that, that take everything down, right? I mean, just think about the, the, the grand view of Scripture. Remember uh, Satan once was with God, and, and in that rebellion, he was intimately connected with God. In that rebellion... Right? What happened? There was, a, there was a chaos and a decay and a destruction. And the results we're still feeling, to, experiencing today of that betrayal. Jesus, right? Remember Judas, very, very close-knit in one of the disciples, turned and betrayed him. And what was the outcome of that? It was just pain, devastation. It's always internal, not external problems that, that tend to be the... the greatest threat to the unity, love, and well-being of God's people. And in the midst of Nehemiah's great effort to rebuild the walls and restore that sacred way of life that they knew, he realized that things were really bad. The integrity of God's people had been compromised, and it was threatening to bring down the whole project. So let's, let's drop into five. We're going to read chapter, or verses one to five, chapter five, and see what's actually going on here. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous, and in order for us to eat and stay alive, we, we must get grain. Others were saying, we're, we're, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. And still others were saying, we've had to borrow money and pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. And although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs... Yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. So what's going on here? We, we probably say, first and foremost, there's a supply chain issue, right? There, but worse than that, there's a famine. Man, these guys are hungry. They can't get enough food. They, they can't get enough materials to keep things going, they can't get what they ordered. They, there's also this economic downturn and crisis, right? The, the economy wasn't doing good, so what happens? Well, of course, the government comes in and raises taxes. 
right? What, um, what are the most scary nine words in the English language? I'm here with the government, or I'm with the government, I'm here to help. So they come in, they raise taxes, and then what happens? Well, you know what happens, okay? Then inflation goes through the roof, um, interest rates go through the roof. So if you had money, you could really take advantage of this situation, right? There's nothing new here, right? We, when interest rates go up, man, if you got cash, you can buy on the cheap and make turn a profit. And so the people, God's people are having to mortgage their homes. They're, they're securing loans by borrowing against their property and business, even so far as putting their kids up for collateral. It was as bad as it gets. And then not, that's not to mention their crime and security problems. So they, they had this wall they needed to rebuild because there was crime and people coming in and, and, and they needed a safe place, a safe environment in order to provide the context to, to live and thrive. And so the wealthy Jews are, who are acting ungodly see an opportunity to maximize their profits by getting people to put up security for things they would have never put up if they weren't in this situation. And not only that, they're charging them this excessive interest. They're taking their land, homes, even their own children to pay off the debt. And these are their brothers and sisters. Now think about that for a second, okay? Think about you walked into church today and someone else drove up in your car because you had to you give it to them as collateral. And then out of the back seat, your daughters pop out. Because they're, they're serving them now to pay off your debt. And when they're done, they're going to go back to your house that they now live in because you couldn't afford it. You had to mortgage it to them so that you could eat. Would, would it be a little difficult to worship next to someone like that? I mean, could you imagine, right? You're sitting in church. They're raising their hands, praising the Lord with your kids over there. I mean, I would lose my stuff. I, I, I would be enraged. And so, of course, these people raised a great outcry. And, and notice they said the men and the women. Most of the time, it was just the guys in the culture that, that, were, that were doing this. And you ladies are like, well, maybe that was the problem. And you might be right. But um, <laughs> needless to say, it was killing the unity of God's people. Okay, it was violating the very heart of God that we see Paul express in Galatians 6, where he says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of God. He's always called us to serve others, but especially we got to take care of our own. And so the people in an act of desperation cry out, seem to go, go on strike, and everything halts because of these people that look godly on the outside, but inside. Man, they're no different than the nations around them. They're, they're taking advantage wherever they can. They're compromising their own integrity. They're charging interest to their countrymen. And in doing so, not only are they violating them, they're violating the very words of God. Leviticus 25. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner and stranger so they can continue to live among you. Do not take interest or any profit from them, but fear your God so that they may continue to live among you. You must not lend them money at interest or sell them food at profit. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. Remember when you were a slave? How can you be doing this? The surrounding cultures didn't see anything wrong with it, but God did. And so, so Nehemiah, he, he realizes it's not just the walls that need to be rebuilt. My people 
spiritually need to be rebuilt. They claim to worship God, but they're not doing it. They're not living out what they're saying. And so before we get into what, how he responds, I want us to think about our lives. Because it's really easy to look at these guys almost 2,500 years ago and say, yeah, man, that was messed up. It's a lot harder to look at our own lives in ways that we tend to compromise. I mean, let's be honest. There's times I find myself looking pretty good on the outside, but deep down, what's the saying? In, in places you don't like to talk about at parties, there's darkness. There's wrong motives. There's behaviors and thoughts that contradict the God that I love and serve. How do we go about rebuilding that in our lives so that we can be the people of God? There's this pastor that um, I got some materials from, and he tells a story of this guy, and uh, this guy's driving through town. There's this lady that's just loose, stressed out woman behind him in a car, and, and, and the light turns yellow, and the guy stops, and she has to stop, and then she's just losing it. She's screaming at him. She's flipping him off. She's, she's honking her horn because she's missed her opportunity to get through the, the lane, and in mid-rant, she hears this tap on her window, and she looks up to a very serious-looking police officer. And he pulls her out of the car. He, he cuffs her and stuffs her, man, old school. He takes her down to the police station, uh, books her, fingerprints her, puts her in a holding cell. About an hour later, he goes into this holding cell and he says, ma'am, I'm, I'm really sorry for the mistake. He said, see, I, I was behind you when you were, you were ran and blasting your horn or flipping that guy off and calling him names that make a sailor blush. And then I saw your choose life bumper sticker, your what would Jesus do sticker, your, your fish on the back, your follow me to Sunday school. And naturally, I assumed you stole the car. <laughs> I love it. I love that story. Right? She looked great on the outside. She looked great on the outside. But for some of us here, we're saying, man, that's me. That's me. That's me. There's things in my life that just aren't in line with what I'm, what I'm believing. You know, I've got this habit. I've got this propensity to, to think like this. I've I got this anger issue. Maybe, maybe you're a business owner. You're profiting off, off actually exploiting those less fortunate. Or maybe you're an employee and you're stealing a couple hours a day from your employer, you know, just scrolling your media. I mean... Ooh, too close. None of us get out of this one unscathed. I mean, integrity matters. How we live matters. And maybe, maybe whatever it is, maybe you, you want to break that, or, or maybe, maybe you, you're just oblivious to it. You really don't understand there's, there's something like that in your life. Or, or worse yet, maybe you know about it, you've just buried it deep within your soul. Man, I think Nehemiah can help us in our lives today. So I want us to look at how he dealt with their compromise and bring ourselves into, the, into focus. There's an there's a outline there, and I actually got that outline from a guy, what's the Rene? Yeah, Rene, this guy that we, he, we got a bunch of stuff from him as we're looking at this, so, um, but we put our own stuff in it, but check it out. So the first thing, if you are serious about rebuilding your integrity, and if these people are, the first thing is, is number one, you got to take compromise in your life seriously. Nehemiah says, when I heard their outcry in these charges, I was very angry. He was angry, man. It was the last thing he expected to find. 
And I don't know if these people were actually, I, I don't know if they, they really knew exactly the ramifications of everything they were doing. They were probably, well, you know, he's just going to go get a loan from the Moabites, so he might as well get it from me, or, you know, how, how that worked. But they just got kind of lost. I, I, I don't think they were these maniacal, evil people. Maybe some of them were. But, but maybe they just took, got, I mean, in the midst of this crisis, maybe they just took their eye off the ball. Maybe they just compromised in these little areas, and it just kept getting worse and worse. You ever been there? He takes it seriously because there's always a ripple effect when we compromise. He's angry. Why? Because the, the, the way you think changes the way you feel, and the way you feel changes the way you behave. And the way you behave affects your relationships, and those relationships, um, I mean, they affect your life. They shape your life, sometimes for generations. So it's important. And the other thing that compromise does, as I was thinking about this, is it steals your joy, right? I know this experientially, and so do you if you're a follower of Christ. You've ever quenched the Spirit, or God's led you in one way, and you've chosen to go the other way. There's no joy in that. I mean, you can survive in it for a while, but there's no joy. There's no life in that. And so we're, we really need to take our compromise seriously. And so Nehemiah is right to be angry when he sees what's going on. Some people think, some Christians, oh, it's wrong to be angry. No, it's not wrong to be angry. I mean, I guess it depends on how you express it. But listen, God's, God was angry, right? Just read the Bible. He's angry at, at the rebellion of people. He's, he's angry at nations warring against each other. He's, he's angry when, when they don't lift up and honor his son. The, 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 the very earth cries out to God because of the blood of the martyrs and the prophets that have been spilt. So there's all kinds of crying out. Jesus himself walks into the temple. Remember that story? The religious leaders are supposed to be these good shepherds taking care of their people, but they're not doing that at all. They're, they're oppressing them and even taking advantage of them, and Jesus was angry. You know why I think Nehemiah is so angry here? Because he loves God, and he loves God's people, and, and he's just, he can't stand for it. He wants them to flourish. Nehemiah is a good shepherd. Not, he's not perfect, but he's a good shepherd in this picture here. And there's something else that I think is really important for us not to forget in our, in our own compromise, that, that we have a very real enemy seeking to come after us at all times. You guys realize this, right? You know, Peter talks about be alert, think, be sober, be, think rightly now, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, to devour, so we've got to resist him. So we can't, we can't forget about him. And one of his favorite weapons, if, if his tacks aren't working from the outside, he'll go to the inside. One of his favorite weapons really is selfishness. Because if he can get us to only think about ourselves, right? It, um, he, he can be victorious before we even know the battle's going on. Right? Selfishness when, when you want your way all the time. And, and not just that, but you want everyone else to want your way all the time. It often involves exploiting one another, even those that you claim to love. Guilty as charged, huh? Right here. It's insidious. It goes deep within us, if not addressed. And isn't it strange that the most selfish people that you know, or let's be more personal. Isn't it strange that when you're at your most selfish, you're often the most miserable? It's a lie, right? It doesn't ever really work out. But that's why Nehemiah takes this compromise so seriously. 
And if we're going to rebuild our integrity, that's the first place we start. We got to take it seriously. The second thing we see is he takes time to contemplate deeply. He, so he gets really angry, and instead of flying off the handle like many of us do, he stops. He takes a second. My granddaughters would call this, I need space. <laughs> These guys, are, I got to tell you this. The other day, my, my, you know I have, I have five-year-old and two, three-year-old granddaughters. Grandson on the way, by the way. Whoop. Anyway, um, so they come over to my house, and one of the best things in my life is them running up and giving Papa a hug. It's just, I, I'm not kidding. It's one of the best things in my life. And so I'm sitting there talking to Maya, and little Mia comes up on her little hippity hop in my living room. I'm sitting in my chair. She's on something I provided for her, and she hops up to me and says, Papa, I need space. And I'm like, okay, go get some. Go to the other room, right? I don't negotiate with terrorists or toddlers. So I'm like, all right. So, but, but what she really wants is me to leave my own living room. I'm sipping coffee talking to Maya. She wants me to go. She just got to my house. I'm like, I need space. And so I looked at her and I said, what is it with, she's three, what is it with your generation that you guys need all this space? Back in my day, I mean, my dad'd be like, you want space? Boom, there's, how's that? Space? Anyway, I, I digress. I'm sorry. I just, I, when I read this, I thought about them. Nehemiah takes a little space. He takes a minute. He doesn't re react, right? Jay talked about reacting, respond. He doesn't react. He stops. He consults within himself. I pondered them in my mind. Another way this could be uh, translated, or my heart consulted within me. I think he put his head and his heart together, and he got with God, and he thought about it, because we see him doing this time and time again in this book. It's super easy for us to blow up in situations like this or to respond in ways that aren't helpful. You ever given someone a piece of your mind that you couldn't afford to lose? Um, and the result is often exactly the opposite of what you wanted. Because what do you think is truly desired here? A good old, what do you think Nehemiah wants? What do you think God wants? A good old-fashioned pew whipping, right? Lay into them, make, make them feel like they're losers, demoralize, crush them. Or do you think he's more interested in honestly pointing out where the flaw is, what's gone wrong, and, and, and moving towards restoration and repentance? Isn't that the heart of God? Be angry and do not sin, Paul reminds us in Ephesians. Be slow to speak and quick to listen, James reminds us. But that's what we should do when we're rebuilding our own integrity as well. Right? Um, taking time to ask, what's really going on below the surface here? Why, why do I feel like I have to lie all the time? Why do I feel like I, I, why when someone confronts me, I always result to sarcasm and defensiveness? I'm projecting now. Um, but, but why do I do that? Maybe instead of wallowing in shame and condemning yourself in ways that aren't helpful when, when you're confronted with a compromise, maybe you take some time to think deeply and maybe invite God into that. What's really going on here? Because it might be that your response has nothing to do with the issue at all. Maybe you picked up a deep wound from years ago that you just keep carrying that, that says you're inadequate. You're not good enough. And whenever somebody confronts you on even something small, that's, the, that's what they're poking at. It's really important because that can, that can become your go-to. But Nehemiah shows us, man, it's time. You, you got to stop and you got to think and you got to invite God into those discussions. Give time, right? I, I love the heart of this psalm, man. Search me, God. Show me what's going on in me that I can't see. 
Because you know what God wants to do when you're confronted in a situation like this? He wants to heal you. He doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to point out what's gone wrong and he wants to heal you. So we got to take time to think. The third thing, you got to do something about it. Okay, it's not easy. I told them, you are charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. But now you guys are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. And they kept quiet because they couldn't find anything to say. You ever been called out? You ever been just caught red-handed and you know there's nothing you can do to get out of this one? You're holding the cookie, right? I mean, there's nothing you can say. It's actually a really good place to be. I had a brother not too long ago share to me some compromise in his life. It's significant. And, and I just looked at him. And I said, yeah, dude, that's bad. That, yeah, that's not good. But I'm really excited for you because... Now, I mean, how long have you been carrying that, man? How many sleepless nights? But now, you're, you're going to move towards freedom. It's an amazing place to be. I, I saw last week this interview with John, you know, John Chris, the comedian, right? He was living this double life, and it was public, finally went public. And he said, once that went public, and I realized I was outed, and that I was going to do something about it, he said, it was the first night I slept in years. There's something about coming and being confronted, especially by a God who wants to heal and help you, or a brother or sister that wants to come alongside you. It's so empowering. And so Nehemiah would say, take that seriously. Think long and hard, and then you got to take action. What does he do to motivate these guys? Look what he says. He says, what you're doing is not right. <laughs> Just straightforward. It's wrong. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? He's like, brothers, you lost the fear of God. You somehow got lost in, in this chaos, in this world that we're living in, with the famine and, and, and all the things going on. And you're hurting and taking care of, or you're not taking care of God's people. You're taking advantage of them. And what do you think this behavior communicates to those nations all around us? What do you think they're saying about our God? Like, oh, okay, this is God's people. You're, we're supposed to be the light of the world. A light that illuminates the truth about who God is and shows people how they can connect with him. That was always the, the nation of Israel's purpose and mission, and that's ours. And their, their, their compromise resulted in this kind of blindness. Remember Jesus in Matthew? He's talking about where your, where your treasure is. And I got to paraphrase here because we're getting... But where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. He said, if the eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then that light within you is darkness, man, how great is that darkness? You can't serve both. You, you, serve, you can't serve both God and money. You got you to choose here, guys. And they got lost. They lost their way. And the result was dark. Indeed. And the same thing happens to us when we live compromised lives. Um, I mean, how many times have you heard people say, oh, I'd never be a Christian, man, because I know some of them and they're just hypocrites. And you know the story. 
I, I did student ministry for a lot of years, and I remember a few times when we'd have these new students come in from a different high school or whatever, and, and, and they would be turned off by our message that, that God could transform lives because they had, we had people in our youth group that we say, hey, have you met this guy? Oh, yeah, no, I know him from school. And they'd be like, they're a completely different person at school. I don't know this guy. Who's, who's this guy up on stage? I don't know who he is, but I know who he is at school. And there's a complete disconnect, and they're not interested in our gospel. It makes a difference. None of us are strangers to hypocrisy, right? Not None of us. But it shouldn't be a way of life. And so he calls them out. Because when our actions don't line up with our words, our, our words have no credibility. Remember, Jesus looked at the religious leaders, and he said, you guys are whitewashed sepulchers. You're whitewashed tombs. You're, you're like these great tombs, and you're all painted, and, and you look great on the outside, but inside it's just these dead, rotten, decaying bones. That's what hypocrisy is. And Jesus came to bring us life, and God has come and sent prophets to his people to bring them life. So how do we take action? How, how do we actually do it? Well, the first thing we do is we consider what, what he said. Listen, this is wrong, right? You've you got to acknowledge the, the fact that, that when you compromise, not only your reputation, but God's reputation is at stake. This isn't right. Look at the implication of your choices. That's what he tells them. And then you need to lay out specific, immediate action steps. It's got to stop now. This isn't some vague, gradual process. Oh, I'll stop sinning a little. No, it's got to be done now. And, and maybe, maybe your compromise isn't as, as significant as what's going on here. Maybe you don't have, you know, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Let's not go there. But um, may, may, maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe because of your selfishness, your, your marriage is struggling and you know you're compromising in ways you shouldn't. And you're like, yeah, I'll get to that someday. No, make an appointment this week. Get after it. Make a plan. You know, perhaps you realize that you're not taking your faith as seriously as, as you should. You know, God's, set, God's word tells us that we're to study, to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth, and you don't spend any time in God's word. Well, maybe you make a plan today and say, hey, maybe I get some guy, hey, you know what, Let's, I, 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 this is hard for me. You know, whatever it is, God tells us that we should be people of gratitude, and maybe you're known by just your constant cynicism and you're putting people down. Man, if God's convicting you in that area, make a plan. And it might be something as simple as, you know what, every morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to write down one thing I'm grateful for starting today. Do it. You got to start today. And I love that Nehemiah identifies with his people. He says, I and my brothers and my men are also lending people money and grace. It wasn't wrong to lend it. It was wrong to charge excessive interest on that money. I love it because often the times, often the people that like to point out your sin aren't willing to look at what their own lives and their own connection to the community, right? They're on the outside looking down and he's not. He's on the inside saying, hey, this isn't right. He's making sacrifices though. He's identifying with his people. And listen, sitting in my office all week preparing this sermon, oh, Come on, man, I feel you out there. Anybody's getting a little convicted? All week, God's like, yeah, Matt, what about that? I'm like, ooh. Yeah, don't think that any of us stand up here saying, well, I'm glad this doesn't apply to me. This is all about, no, it's us. It's we. I step down. It's us. 
All of us, we're in this. This is, this is part of who we are. And God has come to deliver us and to show us a better way. And so he identifies with his people. Um, so make, make specific plans. He says, okay, here's the plan. Stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately. Not next week, not now. Their fields, vineyards, olive groves, houses, and the interest you are charging them. Uh, 1% of the money, the grain, and the new wine, and the olive oil. Give it back. Make specific plans. Today is the day. I mean, today is your day. You know, today is their day to turn their franchise around, right? They can go from this to this. They can walk out of the darkness into light. They can do what is right. Nehemiah says, today is your day. And then what do you do? And then you make amends. He says, then, or then they answered, we will give it back, they said, and we will not demand any more from them. We will do as you say. Listen, none of this is easy. This scene, you know, you read it, oh, there's no, no problem. No, this isn't easy. Hey, what was easy was to exploit these people. They, that, that was easy. What's hard is to stop and say, man, I was wrong. And it's going to cost me. And I'm going to have to go to them and make amends and look them in the eye and say, man, I'm sorry. Here's your daughter back, by the way. I mean, it's going to take, listen, if you... If your compromise is wrong, somebody relationally, financially, yeah, there's, there's going to be restitution. There's gonna, you're going to have to start earning trust back. It's going to be hard. It's going to take some time and sacrifice. But listen, it's worth it. Because when we take rebuilding our compromise ser- or, or seriously, and when we really take the time to think about that, right, we get angry about it, we consider it, we, we do something about it, what happens is finally... We take a public stand. So I'm going to start with this row, with your sin. No. Um, <laughs> listen to what he said. He said, then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. Humiliation is not the goal here. Okay? Restoration is. He does this for support. Right? You guys are going to come together. You're going to take an oath. You guys are going to do this together. You're going to help each other through it. So that you have people that will walk alongside of you as you move in the right direction. And let's be, let's be honest. Our spirits are often willing, but our flesh is weak. We need, I mean, the accountability of brothers and sisters in your life, especially when you're dealing with a specific issue of compromise that you want to walk out of and, and, and experience some freedom. Man, you've got to have some people in your life that will rally around you. Not, not, not just for accountability. Hey, you know, how bad have you been this week? No, it's encouraging. Not, not only talking about the issue, but let's celebrate the things that God's doing in your life as you're walking out of that process. You got to have both of those things going at the same time. And I just think, man, here at Grace, we have so many opportunities for you to be connected with one another. And I know a lot of you are. But everything from our men's groups to core groups, women's groups, uh, community groups. Uh, Tom's talking about grief share. I mean, there's a way you can get, get help and care and those kinds. Of, there's so many opportunities and options for you that nobody in here has a, an excuse or reason not to be connected to, to somebody or a group of people. I mean, this is good. This is godly. This is good. He wants us to come together like this. But, man, we need to get closer and tighter in groups so we can really do life together. Because as Jay reminded us last week, man, the Christian life is not something you do on your own. All right. Negative 12 seconds. We're wrapping up right now. Here we go. What was the result of this? 
So Nehemiah shakes out the folds of his robe and says, in this way, may God shake out of their house and possessions anyone who does not keep this promise. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied. At this, the whole assembly said, amen, and they praised the Lord, and the people did as they promised. This illustration that, that he demonstrates reminds us of the consequences of living a compromised life. Man, there's that old saying. I remember a pastor told it to me early in my walk, 20-some years ago. Sin and compromise, um, it will always take you farther than you were ever willing to go, right? You just want to scratch the surface. Now you're in a hole. It will always keep you there longer than you were willing to stay. It's just one time. Next thing you know, it's been years. And it always costs you more than you were ever willing to pay. Your marriage, your family, your friends, your church, God's reputation. So many, so many things are at stake in our compromise. And so we got to take it Seriously, and so he, he does. He says that. But, but look how they responded. They, they didn't walk out of there with their heads hung low. They didn't walk out of there in humiliation. They praised the Lord. This was the right response. When God has re revealed something in your life, and you decide that, man, I'm going to do something about it. And you start walking, and you do your, you're paying back. You're, you're, you're making things right. We're going to do this, and you start doing it. You don't start doing penance for six months to try. No, Jesus did that for you on the cross. Man, you praise the Lord that he has provided a way for you out of your sin and your consequence. You praise the Lord that he's provided his word that's a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Man, you praise him that he loves you enough to see you. Listen, this is why I love the gospel because you know what the gospel says at its core? You are fully known everything about you. And in Christ, you are fully loved and accepted. Amen. And he'll work with you. I love that. That's the gospel. And instead of, as the preaching, or the preaching team, as the worship team, well, I don't know. I mean, Tom came up. He's been just added to the preaching team. As the worship team comes up, um, I just want to remind us that, uh, man, if God's talking to you in an area in your life, and I'm sure he's talking to all of us in different areas. You don't know how I'm being convicted. I don't know how you're being convicted. But I think God's talking to us today through this text. Man, instead of running away from God, run to him. Run into the grace and mercy of the Lord. I mean, Jesus went to, our, to the cross to take our sin and shame. And, and to, to give us an opportunity to embrace him and receive his spirit that gives us life. And that can lead us. And, and show us a better way, and that ultimately seals us in eternity forever. So take, take, your, take your life seriously. He does, and he's given us everything according to his divine power for us to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, thanks for Nehemiah. This guy, he's a beast. I mean, he goes in there, he's, he's struggling, but he's so far so good. I mean, we'll see how it turns out. But thank you for men and women that, that are faithful to you, that have, you have used to help us, broken, weary people that need your encouragement, that need your spirit. Thank you for always giving us a way and giving us hope. In Jesus' name, amen.
That is, that is the prayer of our heart, that Christ would be glorified. For he is worthy. He is worthy. Um, we're going to have some prayer teams on the side here. If you want to pray with somebody, talk to somebody, um, they're here for you. Um, if you want to get connected and you want just more information about how to do that here at Grace, you can go right out to that first kiosk on your left. Just get some information. It's not going to hurt anything. And um, yeah, check it out. We'd love to see you get more plugged in. And then finally, I want to just, on the back of your uh, outline, there's four things. Because a lot of times people use Nehemiah and they talk about leadership. And it does have some really important leadership. So let me just say, if you're in leadership here at Grace, and not just at Grace, but anywhere where you have spiritual leadership over your family, four things to keep in mind. Number one, expect problems among the people, okay? We got problems, okay? This shouldn't just throw us up, right? Expect that. Okay, we're growing. We're in process. Number two, when you, when you can see them, confront them immediately. Don't let them fester. Nehemiah teaches us, that, teaches us that. Finally, fight and strive to keep your own integrity intact. You ever been talking to your kid, telling him something, and then he's like, well, what about you, Dad? Oh, that's tough. And finally, see every problem as an opportunity for God to work because God is at work in our midst. Father, thank you that you are working. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who's glorious to us, Lord. Thank you for his power and strength that he gives by sending his spirit and indwelling us. And, um, we love you. We thank you for your word today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.